And we are live for the 19th episode of the Bronx Bomber Battle Podcast. I am your host, Matt, Luz, Luigi, and today I'm riding solo. Um, it's going to be a short episode. Uh, couldn't Was planning on recording Thursday night, but couldn't get that done. But yeah, you know, it's a big series this weekend. Yanks, Red Sox figured how to put an episode out, right? So it's going to probably be about 30 minutes recording this a couple hours before the game. Gonna wrap up the Philly series real quick. Um, talk about obviously Brandon Jury getting called up, some other news and notes around Yankee World. And yeah, but I just wanted to start off with saying that the future of the show up, uh, we plan on having an episode after each series, and we really haven't been doing that, you know, for a number of reasons, but we're gonna start getting back to that, especially as the uh, you know, the season picks up. We're already starting to check what Boston does after every game when we're not playing them and it's June. Can't remember the last time we've done that. So this this season, this uh, pennant race, this division race is picking up. So we're going to be here for it. And, you know, we plan on going live after a lot of big games. You know, obviously the big games will determine themselves, whether that's late in the regular season or the postseason. We're going to be going live directly after some games to get our live authentic reactions what whether that's good or ugly because they'll be both trust me but yeah we're gonna keep also with the the trend of having a lot of different co-hosts uh really enjoy doing that a lot of great guys in the bbb that uh are well deserving and another thing check out the website check out the blog uh, a lot of good pieces being written on the bronx bomber ball website right now um max houghton and andrew natalizio Two great trade pieces they wrote. I believe Max's was centering around Cindergard. But yeah, a lot of good stuff written on the website. Um, you know, re- recaps for every game, series previews. Go check out the website if you haven't already, because I'm sure most of you guys have. But yeah, so let's just start the show really quick with just wrapping up those two games in Philly. Um, they really were two uneventful games. Uh, we previewed, we went live after the Johnny Lasagna performance. So we really won't talk about that other than just to say that Johnny Lasagna is the real deal. And in fact, I'll just mention this now. He is now the number 71 prospect in all of baseball after, you know, not even being anywhere near the top 100. So it's kind of a 180 right there for Johnny Laz, but he's deserved it, man. And I know it's only three starts, but he's looked well. So the second game of the series was brought to you by none other than Luis Severino because he was phenomenal. Seven innings, nine Ks, shutout ball. He now, his ERA remains below one in his career against NL teams. Uh, just ridiculous. 12 and two on the year. I mean, he's really just, he finished third for Cy Young voting last year and he's right back in that same spot because, you know, Kluber and Verlander have both been ridiculous. There's really nothing Sevy could do about it, but I mean, he's, he's going to be an all-star again. He's, going to be the ace of this team down the stretch, but just like he was last year, just like he how he took that spot away, that roll away from Tanaka. And, yeah, he was phenomenal. So I really won't go into too much about that game. Um, you know, like I said, 6 nothing, not much happened. But, you know, the, the final game of the series, the third game, was a bit puzzling to me, and I just wanted to go into this a bit, not to – cast like a negative mood on the pod or you know just because this team's phenomenal right now first place one of the best teams in baseball but I was very 
confused. I don't know whether it's angry or confused, but you know, Wednesday night, it was announced a few days prior to that that Luis Sessa would be starting that game. You know, and we all know what that means. You know, Sessa is just a guy that hasn't found his his way in the MLB. And you know when Luis Sessa is on the hill that you're probably as an offense going to need to score some runs. It's as simple as that, right? You you especially after winning back-to-back games in Philly, you know, against a pretty good Phillies team. You go out on Thursday night, or excuse me, Wednesday night, and there's no Aaron Judge in the lineup, no Greg Bird, and I know Greg Bird has been struggled, but he's still our starting first baseman. And to top it all off, you give Austin Romine a day off, and you give Kyle Higashioka the start. The guy that has zero MLB career hits. I mean, you feel bad for the dude, but geez, you're putting him in there in a lineup in an NL ballpark where you already have your pitcher hitting, and now you're going to put Higashioka at the eighth spot? I, I don't know about that. And surprise, surprise, the Yankees lost this game 3 nothing. It, it really wasn't much of a game. It They fell flat on their faces. It, it was almost like – and I mean, Boone said he was going to do this in the beginning of the season or before he even got hired. He said something along the lines of, you know – He's not going to take he's not going to take every game in the regular season so seriously. He views it as like a long-term thing, but I really just took issue with the fact that we're going for a sweep. We have Boston coming up the week and over the weekend and you're just going to give away a game like that, especially with how tight the race with between the Yankees and Red Sox is right now. I really took issue to that. Just to should not even go for the sweep to know that you have Luis Sessa on the mound and to put out that lineup. It was, it was just very, very puzzling to me. I, I really, I, cause I, I saw that lineup and the first thing I thought to myself was, wow, this is a spring training lineup. Like this is a lineup you would see kind of like mid late in spring training and just, I, I really took issue with it, but nevertheless, the Yankees, are now a half game behind the Red Sox, which is a bit confusing still because the Red Sox have four more games than the uh, Yankees. And by the way, if you want to know that lineup, because I didn't even read the lineup out fully. I've mentioned the guys that were sitting, but here was the lineup that the Yankees put out Wednesday. It was Gardner, Stanton, Hicks, Dede, Gleiber, or Gleiber. I keep saying Gleiber. I need to start calling him Gleiber. Andujar, Neal, Kyle Higashioka, and Sessa. Having a bottom three of, in your lineup of Neil Walker, Kyle Higashioka, and Luis Sessa, like that, that might be the worst three three consecutive hitters in baseball history. Like I don't, I don't think I've ever seen uh, three worst hitters all next to each other. I mean, I don't watch the Marlins a lot, but I mean, geez, that that's just a brutal lineup, man. And, and it just really didn't make sense. Like you really need to give Judge an off day when you have an off day the next day. And you're, and you're, it's not exactly like you're traveling from the West Coast to the East Coast. You're going from Philly to back to New York. Oh, really, I just that really angered me. I did not understand why we weren't trying to win a game. You know, I think we, you should try to win every game. I, I get sitting guys, and I get it's a long season, but man, just just to put out a lineup like that in the middle of the season against a pretty good team, I don't know, and against a pretty good pr- pitcher too. Eflin's a decent; he's having a decent year, so. 
just, I don't know, was, uh, you know, I've had a few issues with Boone. I've liked Boone overall as a manager, but, you know, Boone has done a few things that makes me scratch my head, and I think a lot of Yankee fans feel that way. But um, just some more news and notes around Yankee world. Um, Masahiro Tanaka threw a simulated game, I believe, on Thursday, through three innings, 48 pitches. Another cool thing about uh, that note, Tanaka, I believe he took the entire team to Chick-fil-A, I believe. So that was good, uh, good gesture by Tanaka. I forget which uh, Yankee prospect tweeted that out. But um, also, a few uh, Dylan Tate, Abitu Avellino, Caleb Farr, and Trey Ambergy all made the AA All-Star team. So, you know, the Yankees, that farm system remains strong. And also, another thing I wanted to mention, today we're, I'm recording this June 29th, right? And... You know, June 30, tomorrow marks the 10-year anniversary of Brett Gardner's MLB debut with the Yankees. So I thought that was a pretty cool note to put in there. I mean, Gardy's been such a such a classic Yankee. Obviously, a lot of people don't appreciate him, like like every Yankee, like every athlete pretty much. But yeah, Gardy, 10 years. But the big story around Yankee world, and I've been kind of leading up to this, and I've been kind of leading this out, Brandon Drury is back. <laughs> the the little engine that could is back as uh, or, or Willie would call him. But yeah, uh, it was a bit surprising. Um, I thought the Yankees would wait till after the 4th of July to get that extra year of service time. But, you know, the trio of lefties starting Boston this weekend, they wanted Drury up. So Brandon Drury is back in the Yankees. And according to Aaron Boone, he just had this quote, um, I think, I believe about an hour ago from when I'm recording this, Brian off Brian Hawk's Twitter. There's a good chance that Jury will be on the roster for the duration of the season. So, the you know, Jury, this could be this could be Jury's welcome back party, and this could be uh, you know Neil's Neil's farewell party. I know uh, Tereus is currently away from the team. I believe his wife is having health issues. Uh, God bless, Godspeed to her. But yeah, so Jury back on the team. Obviously, he was a Triple A All Star. He was wrecking in Triple A. He had that quote that say he doesn't belong here. Um, yeah, he was cl- clearly frustrated, clearly thought he should be in the MLB. Now he's going to have his chance to prove that. Um, he only had, I think, 21 at-bats with the Yankees in the early in the season before he had started having those issues. Um, he's not starting tonight on Friday, but I wouldn't, put it, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the lineup either Saturday or Sunday or even see him in the game tonight. But, yeah, uh, it's – there's a uh, – it's interesting with Brandon Jury because – there's a lot of people on Yankee Twitter that just act like Jury is a lot better baseball player than he really is. And look, the guy, he's around a 270 career hitter, a 320 career on base percentage. You know, he's, I think he showed that he's not exactly the best fielder. He might be an average fielder at best. Like the guy is nothing special. He's a good piece to have on your team. And he, who knows, he could come back and get a little hot, but Acting like this, like Drury coming back is just the be all save all. I mean, Drury coming back, whether Drury is on this team or he's not, I don't think is going to make a difference at all. This team needs starting pitching, in my opinion, in terms of postseason. Not right now, but if they want to make a long run postseason, I don't think that difference is going to be Brandon Drury. So, like, you know, if if he comes back and what if his eye, you know, he just has new vision. He could see clearly. He starts becoming such a better baseball player. That's great. You know, I'm, I'm look, I'm a Yankees fan. I'm rooting for, like, I'm, 
I wouldn't say I'm rooting for the guy because, like, I don't really like to do that. Like, I, I'm a Yankee fan. I root for the Yankees. I don't really like to pick and choose specific guys I like to root for. But, yeah, it would be great to see him do well. I mean, why not? If it's going to help the Yankees. But I don't know. It, it's very interesting to see all the people on Yankees Twitter just acting like we just got Aaron Judge back off the DL or, you know, Judge was out and just crazy to me. Just absolutely mind-boggling. I know – I. I'm almost upset that uh, either Andrew or Nick aren't on there because, you know, in the first few episodes of this podcast, we talked a lot about Drury because that was one of the big storylines of spring training. And, you know, we kind of all felt like the same way about him. And they were very, very strongly opinionated about that, especially Nick. But, yeah, we we shall see what the little engine that could can do at the MLB level. We'll see if he carries over that AAA all-star prowess over – over to the Yankees. Now, let's uh, let's preview this Red Sox series a bit. And I wanted to start this preview by going over a couple articles that were written on ESPN this week. Um, I'm mean, obviously I don't need a shout out. ESPN doesn't need my recognition, but these two articles. The first article was titled Five Reasons That the Red Sox Will Win the AL East and Not the Yankees," and it was by I believe David Schoenfield, uh, who writes for ESPN. Obviously covers the Red Sox and Coley Harvey, who as of this year now covers the Yankees for ESPN in place of uh, Andrew Marshan. He came out with a piece that five reasons why the Yankees will win the ALE. So I thought it'd be a, you know cool to just really really quickly go over each of the each guy's five reasons why each team will win the division. So I'll start with Boston. I'll start with uh, Schoenfield. He put reason number one as Boston's lineup is just as strong as the Yankees. Okay, I, I agree with that. Uh, you know, J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts are just absolutely crushing the ball, right? I mean, they I would say the Red Sox have maybe probably a bit better lineup than the Yankees right now in terms of just over top to bottom. Um, so, I, I, you know, I agree with that. Boston's rotation is better is his second reason. Again, I agree with that. Boston has a very strong rotation. They're one of the teams that I've said that has a better rotation and and the Yankees, along with Houston, along with, I think, even Cleveland. So, yeah, both those things very true. Okay. Now, here's number three. And this reason I almost kind of just scratched my head at. Chris Sale is in better position to have big second half. Now, I think he he kind of worded this poorly because it almost sounds like, all right, he's in better position to have better second half compared to himself. Like, He usually, like Chris Sale is notorious for having just really bad second halves. And, you know, Schoenfield cited that, well, he has at this point in the year, he has, I think, like 10 less innings and 138 pitches less thrown. I mean, I really don't see that as like a huge difference. I mean, if a guy like a guy like Sale has just been kind of the same his whole career where he's just dominant through those first three, four months of the season. And then, you know, you get to mid, late August and September and he starts breaking down. The guy's like 190 pounds soaking wet. It makes sense. So... I don't, I don't know. I don't think like, oh, well, he's just in better position this year to have a good second half. Like, I, I don't necessarily understand the whole terms of like, oh, you're you're not in position to have a good second half because you have this many innings. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just didn't agree with that reason. I thought that was kind of a a dumb reason. But and this and talk. Speaking of dumb reasons, this one number four, the Boston bullpen is fine. That was his. That was his reason. There's the Boston bullpen. It's fine. That, it's all good. It's fine. It's like no. It's pretty bad actually. It, it's pretty bad. You got you. Boston and Houston both have serious issues with their bullpen, and 
you know, you can't have Craig Kimball go out there and throw three innings every time. They need a couple other guys they could rely on. And that's a major problem. I, I, like, I just don't get why you would put one of your five reasons as to why the Red Sox win the A.L. It's like, oh, the bullpen's fine. Like, it's not that bad. Like, that's – if anything, that's going to be the reason why they don't win the AL East. I would have just left the bullpen out of there if I was Joe Field, but whatever. And then, oh, man, this number five. I knew we were freaking out about this in group me. Yankees youth have not faced pennant race pressure. I, like, I, I, I just don't even know what to say. I, I mean, it, like, who – by Yankees youth are – like, you're talking about – you're talking about Glaber and, and Duar. Because like all Judge and Gary and the, like all these guys, you know, were on the team last year, and just, like I, just such a good. I'm sorry, that's such a cliche. That's such a dumb thing to say. That's such an unintelligent thing to say. Oh, they have not faced pennant race pressure. Like what the hell is pennant race pressure, man? Like I'm sorry, it's regular season baseball when you are you play for the Yankees. Like every game, it's that like implication. Like you're you're part of the Yankees. You. You expect to win the AL East. You're always in a pennant race. Like, oh, they they have not faced pennant race pressure. Like, they're facing it right now because they're in a freaking pennant race. Like, oh, my. I just – those like, the first two reasons for showing for you, I was, I was looking at them and I said to myself, okay, the, okay, I agree with those things, and both those things are true. But then three, three four, and five, I, I kind of just started scratching my head, and it just got worse and worse. But nevertheless, okay. I could I could reason with that. Those are your five reasons why you think the Red Sox will win the AL East over the Yankees. Now let's switch up to uh, our boy Coley Harvey, who he also had his five reasons, and they were a bit similar. You know, they worked off each other's pieces. Um, he put he put his number one reason as as Sevy goes, the Yankees go. And like I mentioned earlier about Sevy, he's been phenomenal this year. They've won almost every game he's pitched in. Um, just dominant absolutely destroying the national league i mean if you're an nl team you do not want to see sevy and yeah he's hopefully he got those postseason jitters right from last year that wild, those wild card game jitters out of his system and you know hopefully he just becomes that big game pitcher for us because you know being a big game pitcher like a lot of people don't believe in that like almost like the clutch team big game pitcher like i i very much believe in the big game pitcher uh thing you know that's why i was a very strong proponent of us trying to get Madison Bumgarner because that guy has just has done special things in the postseason and guys like that don't come around too often. And, you know, I'm not saying I hope Sevy you know, is just as good as Bumgarner in the postseason. No, but, you know, I hope Sevy has that big game pitcher in him because he might need to with this rotation. He might need to carry this rotation. So as Sevy goes, the Yanks go. Okay. Number two, Giancarlo is heating up and yes he is i think we've said john carlos numbers in the last i think believe he was hitting around 450 over the last 10 games i mean just absolutely mashing the ball just start start not even mashing the because he's always mashing the ball it's really just he's starting to see better pitches he's starting to let those low outside breaking balls that just plagued him all throughout the first half of the season he's starting to let those pitches go and he's starting to look like I've said before, I think him like he's learned a lot from Judge. Just seeing Judge, like, hey, when this guy struggles, he just takes pitches and gets on base a lot, and then he starts getting better pitches, right? So, you know, John Carlo heating up, very true. But Coley Harvey, two very good reasons. Three favorable schedule looming. The Yanks have owned AL's best, and that is very true. I mean, the Yank remember that stretch the Yankees had 
in you know from earlier in the summer where it was Cleveland, it was Boston, it was every good team in the AL you could imagine, and that was when they got really hot, right? They won two or three in Houston. They uh, or no, excuse me, they swept. You know, they won three or four in Houston. That's right, I forget that they won three or four in Houston. It was the end of April and the beginning of May. This was when it was, and yeah, they swept Cleveland, won two or three from Boston. That was a great stretch the Yanks went on. And obviously, they had the Angels and Twins before that, who both aren't doing as well, but still solid teams, nevertheless. And, yeah, that's when the Yanks shined, when they faced those great AL teams. And, you know, the Yanks' upcoming schedule, they have Atlanta after this Boston series at home, and Atlanta's a very good team. But then they face the Blue Jays and the Orioles on the road for seven games. And I know AL East games are always tough, but, hey, the Orioles are, are the worst team in baseball. So that's a, that's always a positive. And also another thing is I know the Yankees got just got swept by the Rays, but, you know, the Rays in Yankee Stadium usually don't fare well. And there's, we still got a couple more of those. So the Yankees have a very favorable schedule coming up. Because, look, when you face all those great teams, that just means you don't have to face them later in the year. So, yeah, Yankees schedule should favor them coming up. Number four. Oh, excuse me. I thought I was muted. Number four, New York. Number four, New York's inexperience, non-factor. And I love this from Coley because it basically just said, yeah, Schoenfield, your point was stupid as hell, saying that, oh, the youth have not faced pennant race pressure. It's it's a non-factor, man. These kids are – Gleyber Torres and Miguel Andujar are not your just average youth guys. These guys are studs and have been two of the Yankees' best hitters this season. I really don't think the inexperience is going to be a factor. Five, Yankees remain anchored by a bullish bullpen. And my God, that's so damn true. <laughs> I mean, beginning of the season, I, I'm not going to lie. I was a bit worried at the beginning of the season when, you know, guys like D-Rob and Green and Batances, it all were kind of blowing up. But, man, Batances has been phenomenal. Chapman's been phenomenal. Jonathan Holder, look at what he's been doing. The guy has allowed an earned run since he's uh, in a relief appearance since he's been back up. Adam Warren's back and looking good. I mean, D-Rob looks like he's getting back on track. And we look, Tommy Canely is still just in the minors, just kind of in no man's land. And he's a guy that I'm very high on. And he was a guy that was a big part of that bullpen last year. So 
yeah, I like reading these five reasons each, it's almost like you say, oh, the Yankees are definitely winning the AL East. And it's just because I think in my opinion, and obviously this sounds biased, but Harvey's reasons are so much better than Schoenfield's. Like I looked at three of Schoenfield's reasons and just, just very, very agitated, very confused as to, you know, why, why he would even say these things, to be honest, because just not very true. But yeah, so I just wanted to start the little preview with that. Um, the three games set this weekend, the pitching matchups, uh, the first game of the series, we have Eduardo Rodriguez for CC. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez, very good in his career against the Yankees, four and two with the 2.7 ERA and 10 career starts. Um, Saturday, Saturday night game on Fox, we got Chris Sale versus Sonny Gray. Um, Sonny Gray is like the worst pitcher in baseball when he's at Yankee stadium and Chris Sale is pretty nasty. So I'm hoping for a good result there, but you know, if we lose, we lose whatever. And game three, Sunday Night Baseball, ESPN, A-Rod in the booth, and David Price on the mound, maybe? You never, like, you really never know with Price. He, like, I would not be, like, my face will not change expressions at all if it is announced on Twitter that David Price will not be making a start Sunday. I would just be like, yep, water's wet, sun is hot. (laughs) But he will be facing the Yankees ace, Seve. Luis Severino, Sunday Night Baseball, ESPN. Oh, that should be fun. Um, I, I I usually don't like watching games on ESPN, to be honest. But you know, whatever. It's um the game one. Here's another quick note before we close out here. The game one lineup tonight. Brett Gardner is batting ninth. Is in the nine hole. Aaron Hicks is leading off. Judge second. Stanton third. Didi fourth. But yeah, Guardy in the nine hole. It's very interesting. It's something that I've I think I've said for a bit that Gardy should probably be the nine hole hitter because he's just the perfect nine hole hitter. You know, he still could hit. He's got good speed. He takes pitches. Just you have two leadoff hitters right there. And I've, I've also been a, a, a proponent of Glaber being in that leadoff spot. But yeah, the Yankees Red Sox should be a fun series. Um, teams are split three games apiece this season. It's a lot on the line. The Yanks currently are a half game back in the division, but they have four fewer games played than the Red Sox because of all those damn rain postponements. But yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a good series. The Red Sox are hot. They've won six of seven. Um, they recently just swept the Angels and took two or three from Seattle. Like I said before, Betts, JD, both having unbelievable seasons at the plate. And we'll see how this series goes. Um, hoping for a good one. Hope the Yanks are all alone in sole possession of the AL East come late Sunday night, early Monday, but I'll see you guys next time.